Podcast. I'm Jason, and I'm David, and this is House Podcast, go Westworld edition. This week we're covering Westworld season three, episode three, the absence of field. The absence of field. This week was supposed to be the absence of Jason because I was supposed to be on vacation <laughs> in Mexico. <laughs> now it's the absence of the absence of Jason. <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> such a trip. <laughs> so let's get right into it. Top five highlights for Westworld season three, episode three, the absence of field. What did you think of this one? Uh, I, I enjoyed the episode as I do every in this show. Uh, Cause it's a great show. I love the characters. I love the story. That said, I did not think this was one of the stronger episodes in series history. There still definitely were parts of it. I enjoyed. Um, there were, Actually, parts of it I'm going to criticize, uh, which we'll get to as we get to part of this. And that's not usual for me. I, no. I usually feel this show is really well crafted, but I thought there was this episode had some clumsy parts. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty much on the same page with you. I thought it was a bit melodramatic and it was um, probably one of my least favorite of the whole series. And yet still, I enjoyed watching it. And there were a lot of intriguing things about it and cool things about it, too. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, still, it, for a regular episode of television, very good, very compelling. But in the scheme of this series, I think it was one of the weakest episodes they've done. Yeah. And one thing, just while we're kind of on the negative tip right now, I feel like the cyberpunky music that they played in the first episode and again in this one, it gets a bit uh, overbearing. It's I like the music, but it's loud and it's continuous to the point where it can be a little bit distracting. Do you feel that way at all, or is it just me? Uh, I like the music, but I know what you're getting at. They um, there's been a lot of subtlety in that space in the history of this show, and now they're they've gotten a little more uh, direct and I think overbearing at times is a good word. At times, I still think the music's really good. Me though. too. Yeah, but sometimes I notice I'm like. I wish they'd turn that down so I could hear. And that's never a good thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I've been watching it with the subtitles on, even though I don't normally like to do that just because I don't want to miss anything. It's a smart thing to do. Karen regularly watches TV with subtitles on and I turn them off. Yeah. But I turned them on a couple times. I rewound and and turned them on to make sure I got it right. Right. (laughs) In this one. You're right. They were hard to hear a couple of times. Okay, let's get into our proper top five. What's your number five? Okay, so I figured I'd just get right to it Mm -hmm. um, as number five, which is the heart of this episode, Charlotte Hale. Right. Who is she is the central uh, question of this episode. Mm -hmm. I actually thought it was quite interesting that her personality was breaking down within 
whoever it is inside of there, uh, the personality seemed to be showing signs of instability, uh, which we saw very interestingly in past episodes with James Delos and with the man in black. Um, so that even made me wonder, is she a human? Um, right. That's why the personality is breaking down. But then I guess we don't really know what one host transplanted into somebody else's body would be like. Yeah. Uh, so is that why? Yeah, because she says you're talking like them. They don't have impulse control. And um, I sort of wondered if... Because the, the hosts can be pretty impulsive and it, it kind of reminds me of how Mr. Spock is always saying he doesn't have human emotion, but he kind of really does sometimes. <laughs> right. That was the whole thing with Mr. Spock. <laughs> right. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. So here are some of the things we know about uh, host Charlotte. Um, she knows Charlotte. Like she knew the real, she or he knew the real Charlotte Hale mm -hmm. um, and that she had tried to kill all of the hosts. Yeah, because when Dolores shows her the mirror, now let me show you who you need to pretend to be. She's like, Charlotte Hale? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and, um, and and I thought this was uh, really well acted by Tessa Thompson because she has to take in a lot of aspects of this whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, there's uncert the uncertainty and the self-harm. There's the parental love, and then there's her usual predator persona, which she already was before. Right. So the character did get a lot more complex. Yeah, I, Evan Rachel Wood has said that Westworld is like the acting Olympics because you yeah. have to just have all these different filters on who you are and how you've changed and everything like that. And it's like the decathlon, not like one <laughs> one race, like, not like the 100-yard dash. But so... Um, I, I think they're leading us to think it's Teddy, right. right? That would be the most obvious. Especially with the spooning scene, which right. mirrored them spooning. I think it was the night that Teddy, that she she was with Teddy right before she was going to change his parameters, right? I think to be more aggressive. Right. Yep. Yeah. And, um, and I think it, it's possible it could be Teddy, right? She put him directly into robot heaven. Yeah. Um, but she still had his... Uh, his control unit. It's unclear. Yeah. How that worked. I mean, I really got the impression that the idea was he was gone and it was all scrubbed, but I don't know for sure. I mean, they can say whatever they want to say on this show. Right. So that's a question, but then like other ideas, um, could it be, and it's obviously someone she knows well from the way she behaves and talks to the person mm -hmm. or the host. They seem pretty intimate. Yep. So could it be her dad? Mm-hmm. Could it be Dolores herself? Is there two of her? Mm -hmm. uh, she says, you know, I know you really well, better than anybody. It seems like if it was Dolores herself, I mean, maybe uh, that, that she would have had a more specific reaction to seeing herself over there, you know, um, but maybe they just wouldn't have her have that reaction because then it would give it away to the viewers. But, but, you know, still, it seems like she would have been like, how come there's two of us or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Um, one theory I saw online that I liked is what if it's just the Wyatt personality? Like if she found a way to, to split Separate. off. 
yeah, part of her personality. Although the Wyatt personality still seems to be in her. She's like the Terminator. Yeah. So And and Wyatt doesn't act like that. I mean, I've yeah. also read, like you just said, what if it's her, but the more farm girl aspect of herself. Right. Innocent and everything. And then I thought about like Angela. Yeah. Would, was one of her top lieutenants, but I don't think her control unit exists. Right. No, um, it was, we presume it blew up. Right. And then at some point when she's dealing with a different kind of predator, Charlotte says, I remember what it's like to be me. You're not the only predator here. So that seems like a clue. Um, somebody, somebody that's got some aggression yeah, to good them. Point. See, now I took that to mean she was finding her identity as Charlotte Hale, but maybe it was more like now I remember, you know, maybe she's someone who is more aggressive. Right. So it occurred to me, like, is it the man in black? Is it, mm-hmm. I don't know. It could be anybody. Right. Uh, is it another Bernard? There were, there were multiple Bernards before. Uh, that doesn't seem likely. It doesn't seem like him. Um, so we're still not sure about uh, the other pearls, or, right? It could even potentially be someone we don't know. I don't think that's likely, but just to put it out there. It could be. You're right. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's likely, but. It's possible. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that was the um, really, I think, the central story of this episode. And it's sort of delicious to speculate. About. Yeah. And it's interesting because you would think that once it's revealed, it's going to be worthy of being kept as a secret because of whatever. I don't know, because I don't know <laughs> what it is. But you know what I mean? Like, oh, my God, it's that person. So, right. um, yeah, I don't I, I have no idea who it is. Who, let me see. I, I have notes about this. Um, anybody else? I mean, did you mention Clementine? I mean, she was damaged. Uh, I didn't mention Clementine, but uh, we talked about that when we were watching the episode. And that was my take on that, that um, she was kind of brain damaged. Yeah. So, again, I'm not sure technically whether that means the Pearl or just the control unit or what, but it, it doesn't seem like it could be her. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that made me focus on that a little bit was that when Charlotte, I call her fake Charlotte when fake Charlotte or host Charlotte wakes up, she was sort of channeling Clementine a bit, her timidness, I guess Clementine could be timid sometimes, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea who it is and I hope we don't have to wait too long to find out. And we assume it's not Maeve because we've seen her control unit elsewhere. Yeah. I would assume not. I mean, you never know. <laughs> it could be anyone. I mean, we haven't really talked about whether these hosts can be just copied full sale, right? You could copy that right. control unit and put it into another identical body or a different body. Seems just as possible as anything else. Right. So with this show, you always second guess yourself. So I, I think they're setting us up to think it's Teddy as yes. a misdirection. Uh, and... But sometimes things that seem so obvious, like end up being inevitable, like, hey, an iPod and a phone, put it together. And, you know, they actually yeah. did that. Yeah, so, it could I be that they're, t- they're trying to make it seem obvious so that we won't think it's that. But then it really will be. And they'll be like, haha, we got you. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, delicious uh, mystery. I would be shocked if it was Teddy only because it does seem like they were trying to make that the obvious thing. But you never know. Okay, so my number five is 
The Absence of Field, which is a line from a poem written by someone named Mark Strand, who I've never heard of, in 1979 called Keeping Things Whole. And the poem goes, in a field, I am the absence of field. This is always the case. Wherever I am, I am what is missing. When I walk, I part the air, and always the air moves in to fill the spaces where my body's been. We all have reasons for moving. I move to keep things whole. So I think the obvious reference there is when Charlotte's assistant Irene is telling her about Serac. The man's a black hole. He's completely invisible. There's nothing about him online anywhere. Every single record has been scrubbed but like a black hole we can infer his existence and it's interesting that he's the richest man in the world and no one's heard of him it's like um he he's as improbably invisible as arnold was so it kind of fits with this series because they've already done something like that um it makes him a good villain because he's basically he's basically the illuminati that conspiracy theorists talk about you know we don't know exactly who they are but they're controlling everything Right. <laughs> but uh, stone cutters. Yeah, yeah. But um also this concept of the absence of field applies to fake Charlotte, I think, because she's in this space where the real Charlotte used to be. And so everything around her the way I see this episode is it's shaping her into becoming more like Charlotte, the real Charlotte. And she resists it at first. Um, as we said, she didn't like seeing Charlotte Hale in the mirror because none of the hosts like Charlotte and, and she's saying things to Dolores, like all this time pretending, living her life, her skin. I feel like I'm changing. What the fuck is happening to me? Dolores says, Hale was always ruthless, a predator. Perhaps you've come to identify with her too much. And host Charlotte says, it's like, she's trying to take back control. Like she wants to cut into her skin and rip me out of her head. Now, I, I didn't take that to mean that Charlotte's consciousness was in there somehow. I, I thought it was more like walking around in Charlotte's life is sort of influencing her. And it, like with with uh, Charlotte's son, Nathan, who senses that she's not the same. And he's saying things like, um, you're not my mommy and you're not doing it right and all this kind of thing. And uh, that was really kind of heartbreaking. She's, he says, I want my old mommy back. But I, I'm not sure she, he was saying, I know you're a robot. I think it was more like something's different here, right? Well, first of all, whenever there's a ghost around dogs, foreign housekeepers and little kids know it. <laughs> <laughs> Adults are oblivious. But yeah, I just felt know. so bad for that yeah. kid. Yeah. So, um, well, I think, first of all, it's a beautiful poem. Um, just really elegant and um, sparse, uh, but but really has some feeling to it. So it was neat to get to know that. I hadn't heard it before. Um, it, it, it's interesting to me that your first impression was Ciroc, because um, that does make sense. He's sort of a hole where something is supposed to be. Uh, but I didn't think about that. I thought of Charlotte first. Mm. Uh, who, as you point out, is the um, she is the absence of the real Charlotte. Yeah. And everything in her life feels that, but it also is working on her. It also occurred to me that it's it's Dolores also. If you think about uh, wherever I am, I am what is missing. When I walk, I part the air and always the air moves to fill in the spaces. 
it's also talking about something that is at odds with the natural world or interfering with the natural world. And that's kind of what she is. She's sort of an alien uh, in this world, upsetting the system, upsetting nature. Uh, so I think like many things in this show, it applies to multiple, multiple. characters. Yeah. Well, specifically with, with host Charlotte, it was interesting to me how she's having this identity crisis and she's obviously very upset. She's saying, who am I a few times? And she's saying, tell me it won't always be like this, that we'll be able to be ourselves to Dolores. And she says we will. So she's really struggling with trying to inhabit Charlotte and wanting to go back to being who she was. And she's not picking up her son and she's kissing her ex-husband. And, and it, it was actually a little weird that she seemed to know who her ex-husband was, but she didn't even realize that Charlotte had a son. It, it seemed like she was surprised. Um, I wasn't sure what to make of that, but um, then in the end she ends up, embracing and and of course you know what i didn't mention is she's cutting herself and it just seems like that's a manifestation of her angst over this whole thing but in the end she embraces charlotte's qualities which the two pillars are being a predator and now what we've learned in this episode is that she's a a mother a protective mother and a loving mother and this pedophile guy wakes both of those qualities up in her and she immediately knows that he's a pedophile because a, he's stroking Nathan's hand in a creepy way, but also that he had this device that disabled the cameras in the area. So lots of worst kind of people ever kind of type people on the show. He's one of those. But anyways, choking him, she says, you reminded me of something. The harder I squeeze, the more I remember what it's like to be me. You're not the only predator here. I mean, just through this whole filter that I've been talking about, to me, that's her kind of claiming, okay, fine, I'm going to embrace these qualities i'm going to actually love my son here and protect him and i'm going to be the harsh predator that charlotte hale is and just kind of be getting in touch with her inner charlotte metaphorically so that's that's sort of my take on it i don't know i there could be more to it than that i don't know <laughs> yeah i mean and i think the title does refer to this poem specifically um, there is another meaning of that phrase, which is to lose your field of vision. Mm. Uh, and, and I've actually had an eye doctor refer to that. They talk about, have you lost your field? And uh, which means is what happened happens when your retina detaches. So what do you see? Um, nothing? You would see nothing out of one eye. Oh, okay. Um, and I don't know if that's what they meant in a double meaning by this title, but it, it's kind mm -hmm. of applicable also because there are so many instances in this story where somebody sees only half the picture or part of the picture or can't see everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what moves the action of this story is the characters trying to figure out what they are not seeing. Um, so as I say, I don't know if that's a meaning they intended, but I kind of took that out of it as well. I mean that, yeah. And that would go with host Charlotte through most of this episode. She's seems like she's, um, at least thrown off whether or not she's actually not seeing, she's at least not having a good time of it. <laughs> right. Well, I think we figure out she's the mole before she does because who else would it be? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but she doesn't know it. <laughs> yeah that was interesting i mean we'll, we'll get into it but to find out that charlotte hale was a mole that was a big 
piece of new information that we got here and it totally goes along with everything that we've seen her before because what Serac wanted from her was all the guest data and that's exactly what she's been trying to get over the first two seasons yes okay what's your number four okay so my number four um and some of these threads pick up right on what we were just talking about are mm. some things i did not like about this episode okay uh, which is a very rare one for me but in this case so the whole story of the hostile takeover seems a little simplistic and implausible to me um now it did become a little bit more believable with charlotte as a double agent because maybe she's been working actually to cover it up mm. um but just in 2058 with the access to big data and as big and sophisticated and powerful and data oriented a company as delos is you know, for Charlotte's assistant all of a sudden to say, oh, by the way, this has been going on all this time. And somebody bought, essentially bought out our company and we didn't notice. Um, that does not seem believable to me. Mm -hmm. What they said was that, not to say this is, makes it more believable, but that he was able to surreptitiously buy controlling stock in Delos, well, 38%, using hundreds of, I, I would think dummy corporations snatching up stock in microtransactions for years. So right. yeah, that was their explanation of how he would hide it. it. It just seemed a little silly and convenient that this is the moment that all of a sudden this would be discovered. <laughs> um, I, I had some trouble with the whole plausibility about Sirach also. Um, so he is essentially the father of the system. Um, this idea that there's a hole in the world economy of a trillion dollars, which is where he must be. I mean, there'd have to be many players hiding money in a sophisticated system. It, it just was all a little bit of, to me, a little bit of gobbledygook that kind of sounded sophisticated, but was actually just a little silly. <laughs> um, I, I felt the same way about Arnold. It, it was always hard for me to believe that there could have been a co-founder of the company that no one had ever seen a picture of. Yeah. And nobody remembered. Yeah. yeah. That, and maybe some, I can be a stickler sometimes. So sometimes maybe you just have to forgive. I mean, we don't really have any choice, but you, we can mention that right. we don't like it. <laughs> yeah. The part of the episode I liked least was, um, the Charlotte message to Nathan, her son. So her as a loving parent, like breaking down hysterically in this life-threatening situation, uh, that part of her character, I, I just found it hard to swallow. Mm -hmm. I it mean, was pretty from, jarring. Yeah, everything we know about her, I don't think she would behave like that. Yeah, And I know they're painting it as it's her one vulnerability, and it, it, it just, I don't know, I, I just had trouble with it. It didn't seem like her. I mean... You know, I can believe that people compartmentalize and that she can be a cold businesswoman when she needs to be and also a loving mother, but it just felt like it, like Nikki and Paolo on Lost. It just appeared and felt out of place. Yes. <laughs> and and it was more the her hysteric uh, affect. Yeah. More yeah, so yeah. than that she has a son that she secretly cares right. about. Maybe if she would have just done it in a little bit more of a um, self-possessed way, it could have been more believable. Yeah. Um, so a couple other questions I had, and I wouldn't go as far as to say I disliked these part of the stories, the story, but I, I thought they were a little thin or asked for some acceptance. Um, now, maybe I'm wrong about this one. You could correct me if I am, but 
I didn't think we got a real explanation of how Dolores knew every detail of the Caleb's mother abandoning him incident. Well, we know that she asked Martin, who's a host that's infiltrated Insight, for information on Caleb, and he's able to access at least to some level all of this data that they have because of their AI. But we don't really know how they have a complete exact transcript of his conversation with the waitress about his mom 20 years ago or whatever it was. I mean, I just presume that every, every place you go, they have like a Amazon Alexa that listens to you. And right. That they're just big data is gathering yeah. every camera image, every piece of audio. Um, I, that's could be possible. Um, I just thought it was left unexplained. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, I think the, the how the host bodies react to a life-threatening situation is pretty vague. Yes. Um, we have seen evidence in the past that a blood transfusion can help. Um, we that we have, we have back in the park, okay. um, I think on a couple of occasions. Um, but, but again, it's just sort of conveniently vague. Like, is she really dying or not? Did the oxygen yeah. help her or not? Then she drives away and seems fine. There's no mm-hmm. explanation of how she got fixed. She's still like, she's in the ambulance and I did like that they're like, there's no adrenaline or cortisol in here. Right. So it's like, okay, they need to look and feel real, but they don't have to be physiologically accurate. But um, yeah, well, then it made me wonder if an EMT would like, would they not be aware of androids at this point? Maybe yeah. Not. yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting question. I feel like the androids are not out in society. So they're still kind of exotic to people, you know, yeah. in another Maybe 20 you just years. Think of it. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but, um, so then she's laying there and I, I think the, uh, cause I, I, what I keep thinking back to is when man in black shot her like five times and she was the terminator and didn't even hardly flinch. But I think the idea that's inconsistent and the idea is that she is supposed to be hurt because she stabbed the guy that was one of those goons and she shot the other one, but then she was limping off with Caleb. So I think the idea right. is that she was supposed to be hurt, but she just, you know, summoned enough strength to do what needed to be done. Yeah. And then um, here was a logistical question that came to mind. Uh, And again, I'm probably being a little bit of a stickler here, but it occurred to me to wonder. So Dolores escaped the park in Charlotte's body. And now she's in a Dolores body. Mm -hmm. How did she do that? Like, how did she transition from one body to the other? (laughs) Yeah, that's a good like, question. Like, wouldn't someone other than her have to pull that off? Um, so, anyway, I just thought all of those things were a little, um, little less crafted than usual. Yeah, this week. because before this, we did not know. We knew that she had made a Charlotte and a Bernard, but we didn't know that that she made a Charlotte before anybody else and then she was in her Dolores body talking to Charlotte so this is the first time that it doesn't really make sense unless there's some kind of automation that we didn't see where it can like take the host the pearl and just go and put it from one yeah Yeah, yeah. put it from one to the other automatically I guess again it's plausible but no you have to make the leap yeah 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 
Yeah, there's a few. Yeah, the things that you're mentioning are the kind of things that we can come up with explanations for, but we kind of have to make a little bit of a leap. Yeah. Okay, my number four is about, we've talked somewhat about this before, but just the control that Rehoboam and Insight has over society. society. Dolores says they've made it so easy the way they built their world. It won't take much to bring it all crashing down, and that's because... Rehoboam already controls so much. It's like a central control that if she can gain control of, she can mess some shit up. And there was an interview with Evan Rachel Woods where she was talking about how predictive algorithms can shape what we do. She said, when you sign on to Netflix, it says, oh, you watch this show. You'll probably like this show and this show. And then you start watching those shows. But then after a while you go, well, do I really like these shows or am I just watching them because the algorithm told me that I would like them? Imagine this digital trail that we all leave emails, phone calls, everything you like, everything you dislike, everything you retweet, everything you search on Google, the people that you speak to. Imagine if it was all compiled. Imagine if they just took all the data and they just put it into a big machine and could determine what your next move was going to be or what choices you were probably going to make. And in the future, they were able to do that to the point where they could determine how you were going to die and how you were going to live your life. The system could then determine who they want to invest in and who they don't want to invest in. And so that just kind of shows, I mean, we already all know this, but that we're already on track to, to this kind of thing. And when Dolores shows Caleb his profile, it says, um, overall assessment, unfit for social promotion and reproduction, mortality index projection, suicide, 10 to 12 years, Overall scoring, social score 2.7, marriage not recommended, children not approved, occupational score 3.6, restrict to manual slash physical, restrict social interaction, allowed occupations, armed forces, manual labor, and then there's a timeline of his life, high school graduation 2042, army enlistments, skull fracture in 2048, 2049, death of his friend Francis, it says formative PTSD trigger. And then the last two entries are for romantic relationships. One in 2053 that lasted uh, two months ended by subject. And then the last one looks like it says system interference, which suggests that Rehoboam decided, no, these two, uh, it's not good for my plans for society that these two are a couple. So I'm going to like, I don't know, show them some negative stuff on social media that makes them sour on their relationship or something like that. (laughs) so it's just all sort of reinforcing the stuff that we've already talked about how in this world um the people are almost under as much control as the hosts were in westworld and even like we've talked about that implant in the roof of caleb's mouth it's that insight product that we saw the one guy use uh mellow sunshine in the first uh episode where he just wanted to help himself go to sleep and it can also be an upper, but here they show that you can, uh, he, they turned it on, forced him to turn it on and raised his heart beat to 200 beats per minute. And it's like morning cardiac arrest possible. So it's just sort of more of a reinforcement of that theme that, um, that people are totally under control in the society. Well, I think it's the heart of what this show is dramatizing. It's what Black Mirror was also about. And 
Um, and we are perilously close to that now. Uh, th I mean, this does not even feel like a far future story. And I think Evan Rachel Wood put her, uh, her finger on it in a way I haven't really thought about it before, which is that, yes, like a Facebook or a um, Netflix algorithm is proscribing your choices, but it's also writing your future script. You are writing your own future script, but with your past script um, and narrowing your own choices by your past choices. Mm -hmm. Uh, in a way that um, maybe that was true before all these sorts of algorithms, but it seems accentuated. Um, and that is a really good point. Like, do I like this show or do I like it because it told me I would, or just these are the only choices I got Yeah, or these are the ones that were put in front of me. And, and that this is a related subject, how, we're so politically divided in the country is in part because we're seeing the kind of news that we've responded positively to. And it's, so it's sending us down these funnels that can get more and more extreme for one thing, but also just play to what they know we'll like. And so we're seeing, like, we're seeing just different realities. Among or to use the people. term from, from Westworld, we're stuck in our loops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, um, and, and I think we're going through that in a, in a very real and disturbing way. And I don't think most people are, are that aware of it. Um, I think a lot of people who think about it may be aware of it to some degree on Facebook, which has gotten a lot of publicity, although probably many people are blind to it there too. But I don't think people pay a lot of attention to it, say, on Google. And you, that your search results are individual and that you will get different search results on any topic than mm -hmm. someone else would. I, I think that tends to be pretty invisible to us. Yeah. Um, I think realize. when, yeah, when we go to watch a TV show on Netflix, I think that's pretty invisible to us. Like, like when I go to a, shown. another country and I search Google and I get such a different list of results that are sometimes local to where I am, it's so jarring. It just, that's what sort of shakes me up to go, Oh, this isn't universal. We're all seeing different things. And who, how do they choose what we're going to see? <laughs> yeah. Uh, one interesting one I've thought about is that, um, and I'm sure the AI may get sophisticated enough to know this at some point, but I don't know if it knows it now. So for instance, Karen and I share a Netflix account and we watch a lot of stuff together, but some stuff separately. Um, so <laughs> I wonder if it just thinks we're that Karen has both of our tastes. Yeah. And I wonder if that affects what we get in some other algorithms. You mean Netflix might sell your information or something? Correct. Uh, yeah. Who knows? I mean, we, uh, this isn't told her, but we had a house sitter for a while and, she watched Netflix on my account. And so now I just keep getting all this anime that I don't care about. <laughs> <laughs> if you start to... getting anime ads on uh, Facebook, you'll know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What's your, what? Number three. Um, so my number three, and again, coming off of the same topic is the battle of the creators. Uh, the show has a lot of creator mythology around it. And a lot of the drama in the show has to do with what the creator intended and what their creations intend. 
Um, and, and I would say already as of this season, but especially as of this episode, I would now call Dolores one of the creators. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's sort of creating an army or a revolution. Um, so I would say the creators are originally Arnold. Then it really became Ford, the controlling creator. I think you would put Ciroc in this category. Mm-hmm. And now I would say Dolores, who is creating a movement, revolution, an army, but also exercising iron control over her creations. She has control over the Charlotte Hale. She has control so she owns maybe her. right. She has control maybe over Bernard, or at least he's afraid that she does. Mm-hmm. To everything she creates, she's building in a command structure that gives her Dr. Ford-like control. Yeah. You know, it was interesting to me that she offered Caleb a choice. I'll give you money and you can run away or you can join my revolution. And uh, that felt uncharacteristic to me and maybe just a symptom of the writers of the show wanting her to be more likable because in season two, Dolores would just use everybody, which goes along with kind of what you're saying. But that was like just the one thing that stood out to me where it was a little different. Yeah. And I would say she may have still been manipulating there. Yeah, yeah she gave him a be, choice, yeah. <laughs> but I think she was pretty confident of right. what the answer was going to be. Yeah. Um, did it occur to you to wonder if, if he might be a host? No, not until you just said it. I mean, I have wondered whether this whole thing is some kind of a simulation that we're seeing right now. Yeah. Um, I felt vindicated too, because I've gotten a little confused as to place a couple times. And I think it's basically supposed to be San Francisco and LA. Yeah. That they're going back and forth between. But I said to Karen at one point, is that Singapore? And she said, no, it's LA. But then it turns out they are using some images from Singapore. Yeah, good call. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because some cities look more futuristic, so they're borrowing from that. Right. And Singapore has that crazy building that has like a park on top of it, on top of the three buildings. Mm. So I felt like that... Is that Delos headquarters or somewhere else? No. Remember the building that had sort of the forest built into it? Yes. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. That. So I felt like they got the idea for that from Singapore, uh-huh. the actual building. All right. Anything else on that one? That's it. Dolores and Caleb's interest in each other. I was trying to figure out why is Dolores interested in, in Caleb in the making of segment afterwards, the, showrunner said something about how Dolores only sees the worst in people in the park. And so Caleb might come off as a breath of fresh air. I'm like, yeah, I mean, when I play grand theft auto, as I've mentioned before, I tend to try to be a good guy and not just be a sadistic bastard. So you would think that there were some people in the park like that, but I think the idea here is that no, they're seeing the worst of humanity. So anyway, Caleb helps her she says that surprised her. Usually she can predict what people are going to do, but he made a choice no one else would have made. So, so she, he stands out to her and she's been learning that most of the people in our world are controlled just like they are in hers. So she checked on his file and learned that he's a textbook case of being kept down and caged. Then I was like, but yeah, but still, why would Dolores think that Caleb would be useful? Well, maybe because he used to be a soldier so he's got some skills. He He's also shown that he's brave and he's fierce and fearless in a fight. And um, it might even be useful that he's uh, 
he's you know what is his job he's running fiber he's a construction worker and maybe she needs needs someone who knows their way around like industrial tech or something like that so that so at first it wasn't totally apparent to me why she would go to so much trouble to do all this for him uh to try to sway him to her cause but i'm just trying to find some reasons there did any of that occur to you uh i didn't really think about that it's a great question um but what i did think about is we keep hearing about divergence in the system and the unexpected yeah uh things that are unexpectedly upsetting the system in an unpredictable way and i i wonder if maybe he's part of that somehow and we don't know why yet i mean he is now because uh insight he saved her yeah and and insight thinks that he's going to kill himself in 10 to 12 years and maybe he will but it seems like he just chose a different path he'll probably be dead next week who knows (laughs) well so and my logic may be a little convoluted but follow me on this yeah so we've already seen sarak who resurrected Maeve and wants her to kill Dolores. Mm -hmm. We've seen him express a lot of worry that a war is being fought and it has already been lost. Um, But up until now, the measures they've taken against Dolores seemed pretty standard and, and confident of success, if that makes sense. Um, like they've sort of tried to kill her in a pre- in pretty routine ways with goons, right? Yeah. I mean, they could have sent an army. Yeah. So maybe he is an unexpected factor. Mm-hmm. So that would be a reason to use him just because they would th- not think of it. Or we just don't know why. Maybe she knows something about him. We don't. Mm-hmm. And then I was trying to think, well, why would Caleb be interested? That's a little more clear, but he, we saw in episode one, they did a really good job of painting a full portrait of him being a depressed person. His mom, his mom is in, you know, medically in trouble and he has PTSD and the world's keeping him down. He can't get a job. And now in this episode, it's confirmed to him that there's actually a conspiracy to hold him back. And that if he continues on his current path, he's probably going to kill himself. So it's, seems pretty attractive to the idea that maybe he can break free from all of that. And also there's the thing about how he's felt like everything is prescribed and, and nothing feels real. And I could totally see how meeting someone like Dolores would just be, just be so attractive. You know, for one thing, she's attractive. I'm sure that doesn't hurt, but just seem more real, like just, a break in the loop, a break in the routine. And so he's, he's, and he's got nothing to lose. Yeah. He's, as he says, he's going to be dead anyway. Although he could have just taken that money that she offered. (laughs) That's true. He may come to regret that. Um, I I still feel like we're going to learn more about what happened to him when he was in the army. And that's going to have some bearing. Yeah. It's going to, it's left a little mysterious. We keep getting glimpses and flashbacks, but not the full story. Where was Mm -hmm. he? Who are they fighting? What happened to him? Right. Uh, One thing that's a little counter to me and it's probably something I just need to not worry about is Caleb doesn't want to do personals, which I took on the Rico app, which I took to mean he doesn't want to kill anyone. And yet he witnesses Dolores killing anyone that gets in her way. And maybe it's okay because they were threatening her, but there was 
one guy who was pretty much just running away and she shot him in the back. He had been threatening her. Uh, I, I would think, I don't know. I guess we're learning, we're getting to know Caleb. So maybe I just made some assumptions about him, but um, maybe that's okay with him. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. He's at least changed on that yeah. point. Yeah. So that's my number three. What's your number two? My number two is the revolution. Mm-hmm. So now we know Dolores's um, plan, remove the world from the system. Um, remove the system, I should say, on which the world has become dependent for ordered functioning. So she feels like she doesn't need to destroy humanity. She's banking on it, essentially destroying itself, having become addicted to technology. So uh, the human and host worlds, I think, are converging here. Dolores has implanted command control over her hosts, Caleb's physiognomy we see controlled by tablet. Um, With all of her knowledge about him and plus the implant he has and everything else, I think we can assume she would be able to control him if she wanted to. At least Mm -hmm. we're going to find out. Um, Caleb says, you're the first real thing to happen to me in a long time. Of course, this show does irony a lot because she is not. <laughs> um, she's not real at all in the way he means. But, um, but she is, too. I mean, she's a real factor in his life, but she's yeah, not a real human and, being. And she she has uh, a very sort of, what am I trying to say, a, a purpose or a cause. She has a real cause. Yes. And um, I think a, a human joining the cause was inevitable. Uh, humans will take any side of a fight. We don't always care too much for our own species. So (laughs) it's not surprising to me in the human world, she would start recruiting some humans or at least one. And now he doesn't know that she's not human yet. So it'll be interesting to see how he responds to that when he finds out. Right. And um, yeah, will he think this is just another algorithm system of control that's Mm -hmm. not real? Right. Will he stay devoted to her cause? She does remind me of Daenerys from Game of Thrones. Yeah. who sort of attracted these followers who were badly treated by the systems and people they were in before she liberated them. Oh, no. That doesn't seem like a good omen. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't turn out well. I, and then just lastly, I actually really enjoyed the scene where she gives Caleb access to the system's prediction for him. It was just... Um, it sort of rang true and it was just a little chilling. I know. Would you want to see yours? No, <laughs> there, there's so many sci-fi stories and twilight zone episodes about this. It's just better not to know. Better not to know. Now you mentioned that she thought if they, she just basically destroyed the whole system that it would cut uh, that because we're so addicted, it would, it would hurt us, I guess. I mean, she says, or Caleb says to her, you're going to cut the cord to the system. And she says, and show this world for what it really is. So you think that's her plan, just destroy it. And that will, that will hobble us. I don't think we know the how, um, but yes, I think she believes that we've become dependent on the, the system to be a functioning society. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, my number Two is Serac versus Delos, and 
there's a rivalry. This episode had a lot about the rivalry between Serac and Delos, which is now controlled by Dolores, basically Delos is and what they want from each other. And so I wanted to know what does Serac want with Delos? And we find out Charlotte was a mole and promised him the profiles of every one of their guests. I mean, that is obviously an attractive thing to Serac because he's a collector of data and he uses that data to control things. And, you know, usually he gets search results and or search terms and things like this. But with Delos's technology, he gets, he can basically read everyone's mind, which makes me think he also might want to get some of those hats, you know, or get the technology that's in those hats. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I, I, that's what I took out of it is that he wants the company for its technology. Yeah. Uh, it seems like he's got a lot of data already. Maybe he wants that even more specific detailed data on those very rich and powerful people. Yes. Yeah. Um, he does. Yeah. He said he did. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it sounds like what he, maybe he wants is the tech. Mm-hmm. I'm net, I'm, con- I'm so confused about this data and they just, every time I think I have a handle on this freaking data of the guests, they throw me for a loop and like host Charlotte says to Sirach, our logs show it was downloaded from the satellite. The assets are out there somewhere. Those two sentences don't go together. If you download something from a satellite, what, well, I guess the, those are, it's out there somewhere means she doesn't know where it was downloaded to. Well, why not? Does that have yeah. anything to do with anything we've seen before? Or? No, that was very interesting. <laughs> and I agree. It was not, it didn't, at least for the moment, make sense. I hope there's yeah. a cogent explanation of it later. <laughs> But I, I, what she seemed to be saying there is we successfully got the data out of the park up to the satellite. But somebody ended up with it that is neither um, neither Delos nor the system. So does that mean Dolores? Does that mean she has it? And then they said yeah. Dolores has the key. So does she have both and is exploiting both? Maybe that's what it all means. Maybe that's what he means by the war has already been lost. Right. And the fact that she has the key, at least if he's right, in her head, she that's what drove her father crazy. So maybe she's more um, capable than him or something if she has it in her head. Or one of the pearls she has is her dad. Yeah, I mean, he said, I've been told where the key is in the mind of a host called Dolores. And um, I would guess that Maeve told him that, but I don't know. Uh, Also, one of the Delos executives says the park is missing host control units. He says most of them are side characters, but there was a madam talking about Maeve. So I guess Serac has most of those except for the ones that Dolores has. I'm also a little weird on the timeline with that. They're saying that Serac was able to steal Maeve's control unit because there was a mole. But if Charlotte was the mole, then Charlotte died, real Charlotte, before Maeve left the park. So... I'm not sure how that timeline works out. And I also don't really know what he wants with those other than we've seen him use Maeve. Well, maybe the only assets that are missing are Maeve and the ones that Charlotte, that, uh, yeah, took. that could be, yeah, good point. It seems like it would be kind of hard to inventory everything that was in the park after all the <laughs> shit that went on. Right. But okay. 
And then as far as um, Dolores' side goes, she tells fake Charlotte she wants her to kill Ciroc and take back control of Delos. And um, by the way, she said she'd have to convince the board and to make a counteroffer to do that. And for that, she'll need to pay a visit to an old friend. I presume that's William because we didn't see that actually. Um, but anyways, I was w- asking myself if Dolores can make hosts, then what does she want with Delos? But she said to fake Charlotte without Delos, there'll never be any more of our kind beyond the handful we were able to bring with us. So that says, I mean, we know she's talking about the birth of a new species. So I think part of her game plan maybe towards the end is to repopulate the planet with a bunch of hosts. And that's one of the reasons she wants control. Yeah, of Delos. They, need, they need the tech. Yeah. And I think we already know she can make bodies with her like portable host body making machine, but I don't guess that she can make the pearls. Okay. So here's a theory for you mm-hmm. is her plan to somehow reaccess the Valley beyond or the robot heaven or where, whatever, and repopulate the world with those hosts. Ooh. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. If they want. Yeah. Maybe they'd be mm-hmm. like, nah, no thanks. I'm good. Yeah, we're fine. This is pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hope we do see uh, Teddy again at some point. I don't want I do him too. to be gone from the show forever. I do too. Yeah, I agree. Cool. Okay, number one. So uh, my number one continues to be the mysteries and sort of where we are with the mysteries mm-hmm. this week. So as much as we know about Dolores's revolution, we still don't really know what her actual plan is. So I think that's one of the mysteries that's going to unfold. How is she going to cut the cord? Um, Is she just going to destroy the system or is somehow she going to sever the links in a different way? Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously we have this ongoing who is inside whom. So Charlotte Hale, um, Martin, Martin too. Yeah. Martin, yeah, the security guy uh, who is her henchman at this point. We don't know who that is. Um, that's kind of almost a more Teddy-like role than Charlotte Hale. Mm-hmm. Um, but loyal, not, yeah. Not saying it is him, but um, so that's a question. Why does Sirak want access to the robot heaven? Was one. Mm-hmm. Um, one is one, the one we were just talking about, why is he doing a hostile takeover of Delos if he already has all of their guest data? Um, and and I think we just decided the answer is he doesn't have all the guest data and Mm -hmm. he wants the technology. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. And then there's who is his other mole that helped him get Maeve. Um, it doesn't seem to be Charlotte. And then who else does Sirach have doing his bidding? Um, he says to Charlotte, you think you're the only person I have under my control. Yeah. Um, I thought he was talking about Maeve, but it could be anybody. Or it could be Maeve and. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of good mysteries ongoing. Yeah. Yeah. That makes me want to watch the next episode right now. Yes. <laughs> um, my number one. Well, I had one that was about who is Charlotte. Hale and we've already talked about that. So I'm exhausted my points. I do have a bunch of notes. What about you? I do. Yes. Okay. First note, uh, Nathan Hale, which is the name they chose for Charlotte's son. 
so this is a fairly famous figure in American history, a Revolutionary War American spy executed by the British at age 21 in 1776. I only have, I only regret that I have but one life to lose for my country is his famous quote. Uh, maybe apocryphal, but supposedly he said something sort of like that at least. Mm. So again, the show does irony. I mean, Charlotte's on at least her second life. <laughs> right. Um, the riot control machines meant for Saudi Arabia. Uh, gotta feel those are coming into play at some point. Yeah. They're cool. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to get some kind of battle scene involving those. Uh, if we don't, it's a crime. Yeah. Um, no more elephants came up again. That was mentioned earlier in the Raj, I believe, that had to do with Emily Williams' daughter. Oh, they say yeah. there's no big wild animals left. I mean, I was thinking, take the poor kid to the park. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think that's why it was such a big deal to the kid that this guy had a dog, because apparently pets are not a common item anymore. Mm. They're all dead. Yeah. So that was interesting about 2058, but self-driving cars now seem to work, and so does uh, Google Glass. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Someone had, one of the listeners was confused about, oh, they were like, what? Wait, Sirak is a hologram? I'm confused. But it was just that when she went into his place, I presume he's off in Europe or somewhere else, but um, his assistant gave her a pair of those augmented reality glasses like Dolores zip-tied onto that Delos executive in the first season so that right. he could appear before her. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, so you know I love my sci-fi call-outs. This was one where I felt like I knew what he was going to say before he said it. And he didn't exactly say the line, but it was close enough. They do so many call-outs on the show, I wondered. Um, Charlotte says to Sirak, I need more time. And um, I thought he was about to say what Khan said to Captain Kirk in Star Trek II, which is, time is a luxury you do not have. Um, it was close. And, yeah, he said something very much <laughs> like that. Yeah, And, and then... Um, they keep wandering around like Sausalito and the East Bay and San Francisco, which are all Star Trek locations. So I feel like there's some call outs there. Yeah. Um, Star Trek four, the one with the whales had Marin in it and the East Bay and San Francisco. Mm -hmm. What else? Uh, another beautiful song. I looked this up was uh, a song called doomed by Moses Sumney, who is someone Tessa Thompson has also recorded a song with for the movie Creed. It, the cello version of that was playing when she was being taken to the house mm -hmm. for the virtual meeting with Ciroc. Just um, another beautiful sort of haunting piece of music in this show. Agreed, yeah. I like that. And then um, the last one, so our our dishwasher broke down this week. And, and we've been, we've had some problems with it before and we had it repaired. So there's a repair company we know, and Karen is the one that's been handling this. So she'll call the company and say, Hey, is it still under warranty? And the first time they said yes. And this time they said no. And then she kind of argued them into, okay, we'll pay for the parts. But to get them to say yes, she had to like do a, like, can I talk to your manager? Mm -hmm. And they put her on hold for a long time. For like 10 minutes mm. and the hold music was the th westworld theme <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And then when the guy comes back on, she should say, are you a real person? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we were like, what are they trying to tell us here? Is our dishwasher going to come to life and kill us? Or (laughs) That's pretty interesting. It's a strange choice, right? (laughs) Yeah. It's nice music. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe they're part of the HBO appliance empire. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that's it. Okay, my notes. So we can work out from this episode that Dolores had five control units, which is what it looked like when she when she left the island as Charlotte and opened her bag. So there's one she put in Charlotte's body, and there's one that was Bernard. Then there's one that's presumably in Host Martin. And then that leaves two more, which she presumably still has and will use at some point. Right, and this is assuming she can't currently make more. Right. Yeah. And uh, they showed four of the host control units and fake Charlotte knew one was Bernard's because it was a different color. But when we saw them before, they were all the same color. What's up with that? (laughs) Yeah. Good point. I don't like stuff like that. And why was Arnold's a different color or Bernard's? Because he used to be because he's part human. That's what I meant. Bernard. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Um, I really liked seeing host Charlotte being fabricated, especially her iris stitched together. Yeah, that was cool. Stuff like that is cool. Uh, the woman who greets fake Charlotte at Ciroc's place, that's the same one we saw talking with Liam in episode one, kind of antagonistically telling him there was a leak who got access to Rehoboam. So now we know for sure that she's an associate of Ciroc. Yeah, and she said to... To Charlotte, I want us to be friends or something like that. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah. Yeah, it was a weird thing to say. Caleb's mom forgets him. She says, who are you? I want my son back. And that was sort of mirror-like to Charlotte's son saying, you're not my mom. I want my old mommy. These two scenes of disconnection. and yeah everybody's heart's broken in both of those scenes, you know, cause I mean, if you're, if you have a parent who has Alzheimer's, then it breaks your heart just as much as it does theirs that you can't recognize them. Well, and a common um, theme for the Westworld hosts that Akichita woke up to at a certain point was one day you, uh, you wake up and your, your relative has been replaced by someone else. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's just not the same. Caleb Nichols is another anagram for Silicon Beach, which is the area where Caleb goes to contemplate suicide. Yeah. That's another note. And then last is, I thought it was sweet that Caleb's robot coworker buddy came and tried to help him out when he was attacked by goons. That was a good fake out. You're expecting something to really happen there. And then it just really didn't. And they were like, they called him Rintintin or something, and they just tossed him over the side. And I guess they know that he's not really a threat, but I don't know. I just thought it was kind of cool because we've seen him sitting next to that guy up in the rafters before. Yeah. It was sad. <laughs> that was his buddy. Yeah. yeah. That was Sam. All right. That is it. Let's take a little break. There's more to come. Stay with us. With inverted tongue From whence does fulfillment come And I ex 
Time for the news. Uh, Gizmodo has a tech reporter called Shoshana Wodinsky, and they interviewed her about predictive algorithms. Mostly it was about how they're used to sell us things based on prior things we searched for and stuff like that. But I found this bit interesting. She says, take social scores like we saw with Caleb and his buddies in the first episode. China has been testing a social credit system where citizens are ranked based on their public and online behavior. Much like Westworld, a bad score can limit your ability to get a job, but it can also block access to trains and even throttle your internet. That's kind of happening in the United States, albeit in a smaller way. Some marketers will target folks based on desirability scores or vitality scores, which can take into account everything from a person's education to their income to their criminal and shopping history to rank whether or not they might be a potential shopper for a given brand. It's a little different from China or Westworld, but not so far away. So we're moving even farther towards that stuff than than we might Well, I mean, and that is directly Black Mirror. Like, that came right out of Black Black Mirror episode. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Did you, I don't know if you knew, but Karen and I actually years before that just joked about exactly that. If you could see a rating for every person and we're like, oh, you're a three, get away from me. Stuff like that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, what's interesting is like these systems where you can rate each other like uh, Mm -hmm. Uber, but everybody's afraid of getting any bad rating for everybody. So everybody's rating is 4.95. Yeah. And the rating right. becomes meaningless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Even with the podcast, um, we get a lot of five stars and it, it, creating something that gets rated. I have become a much kinder rater myself. I used to rate things. I'd be like, well, I love it, but it's not my favorite thing ever. So I'm not going to give it a five, but now I'm more likely to give something a five because I know what it's like to get a three and a two. You have empathy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And then next, the rap interviewed George R. Martin on the Game of Thrones Easter egg in last week's episode. He said, some people love the cameo and some hated it. And everybody, it seems to me, is making way too much of it, which is a total George R. R. Martin thing to say. Uh, or I guess he wrote this on his website. He says, Hey folks, come on. It was just a bit of fun, a sort of Easter egg. You all like Easter eggs in your video games, don't you? But he said he didn't know in advance that this was coming, but noted he did suggest to Westworld 
creators Nolan and Joy during the show's early development that Westeros could potentially exist as a Dallas theme park. Quote, I never wanted a full crossover. Never thought that Westworld hosts should adventure in Westeros world as they have in Samurai world and War world. But a brief scene or two could have been fun and would have been in keeping with the Delos concept. And hey, I even suggested that they could bring back actors from Game of Thrones, characters we had killed. The hosts die almost weekly after all. And then it goes on. Like everyone else, Martin has been stuck at home due to the, due to the coronavirus pandemic. But he says that he's putting his time in quarantine to good use by working on the long awaited novel, the winds of winter, which will continue the song of ice and fire saga along a path much different than the one taken by game of Thrones. <laughs> so you mean that a global pandemic is going to do what nothing else could get him maybe to finish that book. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he says, truth be told, I'm spending more time in Westeros than in the real world writing every day. Things are pretty grim in the seven kingdoms, but maybe not as grim as they may become here. <laughs> <laughs> one of the what what was the um the last book was it called fire and blood the history of the targaryens yeah yeah and there was a um there was a like a a pandemic or an epidemic in that book it's called the shivers mm. Mm, yeah it's a every hundred years or so it seems like there's something yeah <laughs> so okay that's it for the news let's get into our listener feedback Okay, Daphne Backman says, I am dying to know who is in Charlotte Bot. Mm-hmm. Everybody is. Liza, Liza Irizarry Alvarez says, I think Charlotte Bot is Teddy. The way Dolores spooned Charlotte in the hotel bed was just like the way she spooned Teddy when he killed himself. Also, the way she was talking to Charlotte Bot was so tender. Teddy died by suicide, making himself destructive, and that's why I think Charlotte is self injuring, cutting. Teddy was a super protective person, and that's why listening to Charlotte's last message to her son, Nathan, resonates so much with him. We could be overthinking it, and that could be exactly what's going on. Yep, it could be. (laughs) Uh, Pake Allen says, I'm assuming Charlotte is Teddy based on the relationship between Dolores and her, him. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Caleb's realization was heavy, as was not Charlotte, realizing that Charlotte Hale, aside from her faults, was a mother who was doing her best and now having to fit that role brings a whole new element of humanity to this charade they were not ready for. So that's an interesting point. Is Charlotte's history making not Charlotte more human? Yeah. I mean, that kind of goes along with what I was saying about just inhabiting Charlotte's life is shaping not Charlotte's character, fake Charlotte's character. Right. I guess what I was wondering is if Caleb is a human working for the um, robot revolution, are some of the hosts going to cross over and work against it like Bernard has done? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Maeve, they're setting her up to be an antagonist to Dolores. They are. Although she's already said, I I don't care what happens to the humans. Yeah. So we'll see. Sarah Larkham says, I really like this episode. We learned that Charlotte was slash is a mother and going through a separation with Nathan's father, Michael early, who's such a good actor was in sleeper cell. Definitely a show worth checking out. Seeing how the system devalues Caleb is so sad and maddening. Yeah. Anne Marie Hellman says, yes, finally remembered to find your page. I'm a walking dead cast transplant. Oh, Mm -hmm. all right. 
Me too. Um, thank you guys for this podcast. Between this one and another Westworld one, I need all the help <laughs> I can get. Can you tell us which one that is so we can get some help? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Do they come out earlier yeah. than ours? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, this episode was a heartbreaker for me as a parent. And so dark, thinking that a system can tell your future based on algorithms is so dark. Uh, and what we're all going through right now. No, she didn't say that. <laughs> um, on who Charlotte is, I'm not sure. I feel like it's a feminine person, but her whole storyline broke my heart this week. Yeah. I mean, do the concepts of femininity and masculinity even apply to hosts? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, good question. <laughs> But she does seem feminine, you're right. Matt Mann says, reason number 46,385 not to have kids. They can always tell when you replace their mom with a robot. (laughs) (laughs) Steve Brown says, I don't think I've said it recently, so here goes. Thank you for this podcast. I need help (laughs) understanding the show. (laughs) We'll we'll commit to doing our best, that's all. (laughs) You're welcome. And Steve also uh, called in with something, and here it is. Hey, Jason and David, this is Steve. This is for Westworld episode three. Um, do you, so I watched it twice and I, I, there was something very interesting at the very beginning when Dolores is bringing Charlotte online and we still don't know precisely which Pearl is now inhabiting Charlotte, but she does that uh, face touching thing that Clementine did in the first season when they were talking about the reveries. So that made me think that maybe she's Clementine. But then throughout the episode, Dolores alludes to this relationship that they have and this. Uh, and then we see at the end when Charlotte kills the man on the bench and she's talking about I'm becoming me again or something, something like that. Whether Is she becoming Charlotte again or is she becoming who her pearl or she says she's starting to remember Maybe you can help uh, clarify this, or maybe you picked up on things, or maybe they're just trying to misdirect us as to who, uh, which Pearl is in, in Charlotte. So, and I was confused for a minute. I thought maybe we were dealing with different timelines as far as between Dolores and Caleb, and then Dolores and Charlotte. And I think they're still doing a little bit of that, because like, obviously at the beginning, that took place earlier than what the other events that we're seeing are taking place. And uh, so also the only other thing I've I've got that I kind of picked up on, well, two other things that I kind of picked up on was, I don't know if Ciroc realizes that Charlotte is a host because he talks about Dolores being a host and he refers to, I think he referred to Charlotte as a person. Something like that, I I think. So I think there's an interesting uh, double play going on there. Also, it probably wasn't an Easter egg to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but I thought it was funny when the guy said once more with feeling before uh, dangling Caleb off the the building there. So, all right. Can't wait to hear what you guys thought. Talk to you later. I hadn't seen that show. I've heard it's one of the best, but I wouldn't be surprised. Buffy? Yeah. Yeah, I was not a Buffy watcher either. Mm heard nothing but great things about it though i think you're right that Sirak doesn't realize that charlotte is a host yeah i mean she was an existing human character um it is an interesting question mm-hmm. if the system is this sophisticated and understands everybody so well how could it be fooled by an imposter right 
at the least we're supposed to think that he's letting her believe that he doesn't know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that's a good catch on Clementine. I didn't catch that. The gesture right. face touching. And, and she did come to our mind, but I don't know if it quite makes sense that it's her. Mm-mm. I don't right. think it does. No one totally makes sense is the thing. Yeah. There's some, <laughs> there's, there's a counter argument for anyone. Right. And we're not supposed to know at this point. So I don't feel too bad not having totally figured it out. It's supposed to be a mystery. Yeah. As far as the timelines go, yeah, I didn't really consider that as far as things between Caleb and Dolores versus things between fake Charlotte and Dolores. Um, I don't know, man. I'd have to go through and watch it again, but I think it's not too important to know exactly where everything slots in because basically they're all just kind of happening now. Yeah, I agree with that. You do have to be very careful about timelines in the show. And in season two, that's kind of it was what it was all about. Yeah. The two parallel timelines. But I think in this case, we know we do know that it's all post Westworld disaster. Yeah. Um, so it's got to be at least close together. And I think they all came together often enough in this episode that we know it's one timeline like Charlotte mm-hmm. and... Um, Dolores interacted together in the same room. Dolores and Caleb interacted together in the same room. So they can't be on parallel timelines. Yeah. All right. That's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you enjoyed if you want to write in or record a message and send it in you can email us at westworld at podcastica.com we also put up a post for each week's episode on our facebook page that's facebook.com house podcastica and that's where most of the comments that we read back come from although you can email if you want and also be sure to check out the other great podcasts at podcastica.com i'm stoked that they announced today that um, lock and key is renewed for a second season because i'm really oh, digging nice. that show yeah and next week on this podcast westworld season three episode four the mother of exiles this is the longest part of the week longest time between talking about westworld <laughs> see the next one yeah the thing about lock and key is because they release them all at once but i'm watching week to week because i don't if i watch ahead i it'll mess up my podcasting i'll give away things um that every night i podcast i get to immediately go and watch the next episode but i wish that was the case with westworld but it's not (laughs) yeah and i actually do love binging in certain circumstances Mm -hmm. i think the perfect binge in today's landscape is like the documentary miniseries so something like four to six episodes like we are watching tiger king right now even though karen's swore she wouldn't because of the disturbing (laughs) animal harm and it does upset her but the show is really compelling Mm. but you know six episodes you can get through that pretty quickly and not overdose I think for a show that's too intricate or too many episodes if you watch it all at once it kind of you you lose some of the fun yeah yeah I prefer um, week to week definitely if I'm podcasting but sometimes I just want to binge it but as far as uh, Tiger King goes you know we're saying how Netflix sort of surgically suggests things based on your preferences not with Tiger King everyone gets that one (laughs) no yeah that was overwhelming force that they blasted that out to the world can't avoid it all right that's our show thanks for listening it's coming back now I remember who I am good 
Now, let me show you who you need to pretend to be. Donald Trump? Ugh. Ugh.